Darmstadt on Air number 15. Music Theater as Heterotopic Space. Sarah Nemtsov and the Bastian Hanak in conversation. Welcome to Darmstadt on Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. My name is Thomas Schäfer from the Darmstadt team, and I'm happy to say a few words about the two involved artists of episode number 15. The German composer Sarah Nemtsov will be tutor in Darmstadt next summer for the first time. As her conversation partner, she has invited the German set designer Sebastian Hanak. Sebastian, living and working in Heidelberg, is an award-winning artist, famous for his spectacular set design, especially for his so-called space stage heterotopia, immersive situations, or better, immersive installations where he is working with the whole space in theater and opera houses. He adapted his heterotopia for several theater and music theater productions, for instance for Bertolt Brecht's Life of Galilei, of Friedrich Schiller's Intrigue and Love, as well as for Richard Wagner's The Flying Dutchman, and also for Sarah's music theater Sacrifice. That was the occasion when they both met at the Opera House in Halle some years ago. This cooperation with Sarah was for Sebastian a quite special situation, since he started to work on his set design knowing only some parts of Sarah's music. Maybe more than ever before, he was forced to invent reality for a piece on stage. Sarah and Sebastian are very much matching in their understanding of theatre as an extraordinary moment of transition. And although music and stage reflect different situations of fragility, the result can still be a unique immersive experience. Please enjoy listening. Thanks for joining me here with Darmstadt on Air and uh, looking forward to our conversation and getting more insights into your work um, Let me shortly introduce you to our listeners. I am Sarah Nemtsov. I'm a composer living in Berlin. This is Sebastian Hanak. Sebastian, you are a stage designer, also costume designer, and working in all fields of performing arts. Um, I think one can say you are among the most prominent and successful artists in your field of your generation. And... Um, Yes, you've uh, created stages, stage designs for renowned houses, opera houses, theaters, festivals, other institutions, I guess. Um, you've worked with important directors and yeah, your works are very unique. Your stage designs are also very diverse, which is really impressive. And I, I think um, you try to cross boundaries in your work. Recently, you're also interested in uh, augmented and virtual reality. Maybe we will talk about this later also. We both met in 2016 in uh, a collaboration at the Theater House Halle, Opera House Halle mm -hmm. uh, in Eastern Germany. And um, I got this commission to write uh, a new opera my opera Sacrifice uh, on the topic of radicalization, radicalization in different 
directions. Well, it was the first uh, year or season of this new directing team with uh, Florian Lutz and Michael von Zermühlen, uh, Veit Güssow, and you and Florian, you have worked together a lot. Yeah. I think before and since then even more. And uh, so I I got uh, got to write this opera and you did the stage, but it was very special because um, you built this so-called Raumbühne Heterotopia, a space stage. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you used the whole theater, uh, you overbuilt the whole theater, and I think it was um, used for seven or eight different productions, which is quite uh, unique, I think. Um, mm -hmm. It's rather like a theater installation or something. And there were operas, uh, theater, ballet, um, and other performances, concert also. And um, so this concept already existed when I was composing. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, usually it's the other way around. You write something and then a stage director and, yeah, and a stage designer would enter this. But here um, I could uh, really compose for your architecture and uh, this was really a great experience for for me very inspiring and it had a huge impact also on the score and uh, compositional aspects and decisions I made you got the Faust prize mm -hmm. it's a renowned theater prize in 2017 yeah I think I'm not alone uh, with this I I thought uh, your space stage heterotopia was really spectacular and uh, very far from the normal um, theater experience with a picture-framed stage and uh, very immersive, uh, very different also in the different productions. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can talk a little bit about this also. I actually never asked you how did you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... At first, thank you for having me. It's very interesting to have this talk together with you about the production that we created such a long time from now ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting to go back together with Florian Lutz. We had the idea already earlier on with another opera we made, Hans Heiling by Marschner, where we also invited the audience uh, on stage and to participate uh, within the um, process of the music theater and also to be within the music, to be within the choir, um, which were completely around 100 people that were allowed on stage. And we had um, another production that we had so many um, possibilities on stage, which was a normal, uh, like, Gukasten theater production, mm -hmm. which had uh, a lot of possibilities from beginning to the end. And at the end of the opera, we were thinking, oh, my God, there are so many possibilities still left. What we could do with the space, we could uh, continue at the end of this opera and do another opera within the possibilities that we do have, because it was also a more abstract stage. Mm -hmm. And these two things coming together worked really well for the idea of an opening of a new um, intendance in Halle. Mm -hmm. So... As a director and also as the intendant, he had the idea to conceive something that originally was, uh, we started off with Flying Dutchman from Wagner. Mm -hmm. And then we thought it would be great if other people could join. So we would ask the people from the Schauspiel, we would ask the people from the ballet department. And more and more, we realized, okay, it would totally make sense 
to also make other productions possible within this space because it will be so big and we can only play this en suite. We could never just build it up because the setting up time for this whole Raumbühne or space stage was like five days in the end. In the beginning, it was two weeks until we had everything together. Mm -hmm. I also realize now that the um, house, especially the Opa Halle, was a perfect venue for this because it wasn't too big. And we had the possibilities also to build parts of the stage on top of the auditorium. So this is what we did. We started with the Flying Dutchman, where the orchestra would still be in the pit. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, railings all around so the audience could go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, then later on, when we were conceiving Sacrifice together, also the idea was where to put the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And this was very interesting because we had the possibility that the former auditorium, where we had this platform on top, there were no fixed seats. We could easily just take out everything that was there. And then as this podium, it was possible to have it half stage, half set design, and also half a huge place to be for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Plus being them on top of the orchestra pit podium that we could later on uh, lower at the end of the opera. Mm-hmm. It came from this idea that it would be possible that you lose this mono perspective that you would have if you'd sit in your seat in the auditorium and everything that will move is just being in front of you. And it's a bit of an another experience of musical theater that you only have one image, let's say, in front of you, mm-hmm. plus the music. And, and now that you could also move within the space and also mm-hmm. within the music, let's say, or mm-hmm. be moved as we did in Sacrifice, that mm-hmm. the auditorium, maybe just to explain, they would sit on the turning stage mm-hmm. and they were being moved by um, the revolving stage and thus come into a stream of images and sound. So as the one composing the images together with the director and also together with your score, we would really have to have um, a plan of in which direction are you looking at which point of the opera. And it was also very easy to just turn your head. You would see 360 degree an image and sometimes something happened behind you plus in front of you and at the side something was prepared, but there's nothing that was actually hidden, you know, and mm-hmm. normally in the theater, everything is hidden behind this portal and you can make mm-hmm. tricks and, and things. And we also made in the end theatrical tricks, but everything was sort of implemented within this whole idea of the stream of images, I think. Exactly. But at least for, I mean, for sacrifice, everything was happening around mm. the audience, but, um, at least they were together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was mm-hmm. something like a central view still, although it was mm-hmm. really 360 degrees around them. And I had mm-hmm. the this chance to compose this also, like you would hear something behind or on the side or uh, even above <laughs> we used mm-hmm. this. And uh, and sometimes also, I mean, you remember, we uh, it was also not always pleasant for the audience because there were this claustrophobic uh, moments also and they were they couldn't decide themselves they were being moved 
Um, mm -hmm. So they were mm -hmm. kind of in, imprisoned also on this revolving stage. But this was, also, mm -hmm. of course, also um, something like a reaction to the topic in a way. Or, But uh, the Flying Dutchman, Fliegender Holländer by Wagner, um, I didn't see it live, unfortunately. But um, mm -hmm. as far as I understood, I mean, there was you really abandoned also a central perspective. So uh, some were yeah. sitting between musicians, some, and it had also political aspects, like some were sitting behind a fence and didn't get the good view or something. Maybe mm -hmm. you can tell me more about this. At, with the Flying Dutchman, it, it was also very special because we had the whole uh, choir moving around. Mm -hmm. And um, also a lot of extras that would also, in that sense, take care of the audience as, as we had certain um, parts within the opera where the audience could also participate. So they would ask the, the audience to participate in this sort of uh, Volksfest or party um, when the sailors return. So this would be a huge party where everybody could get uh, something to drink and it would be really like a Volksfest and you're within. And um, as you said, that we also had um, audience on the side stage and they were sort of abandoned in, in this area. This was interesting uh, in, the, in the later part of the Flying Dutchman with this ghost choir so that there would be an actual fight, not between uh, a ghost um, as conceived by Wagner, but actually between people that the society would be very frightened of, you know, like mm -hmm. people you, you want to shut off in a certain area. And this was very interesting that, that this fight, for example, took place from both sides of the fence so that uh, part of the choir would react from that side and the other part of society. And also that everybody suddenly was involved in this situation. So you were just drinking uh, your, your beer and uh, having a sausage. And suddenly, uh, due to the music, everybody was involved in this situation, if you want it or not. Mm. And uh, this was very interesting because it was somehow a physical thing that you, you couldn't just step out or close your eyes or, or think, oh, it's not so interesting together with Wagner because we're just among this or in the middle of, of this action. Like the audience was really in between. Yeah. yeah. Someone would stand next to you and would just start singing. Yeah, start singing and also um, shaking the fence. And in, in the end, the whole fence was uh, run down mm -hmm. by the other people, by the so-called ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, that, that was very interesting because, of course, you were in the middle of a political discussion that you couldn't just um, escape in a way. And, and yeah. it was also very interesting because we had a lot of talks afterwards also. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people who said, oh, in the beginning, I was very frustrated that I was at this place because uh, we had uh, tickets and they, they entered from four sides to mm -hmm. this whole space. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they said, oh, I hadn't expected to be in in this place, and I couldn't see so good. And yes, I was very near to to everything what was happening, but I didn't feel so comfortable. But in the end, some of them said, this is something I will remember for the rest of my life. And then I came again, and then I sat somewhere else because I could anticipate uh, the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And that I found really nice that people would also take the chance to proactive 
search their space within uh, or their seats within this space. And this is so also something... So they came again and wanted mm. really to experience a different perspective, right? Because yeah. it's not like a normal theater. And yeah. did, did the audience really react to the political aspects also? Because, I mean, it was 2016. It was this so-called refugee wave. I mean, all, yeah. all these discussions, also the uh, rise of the right wing, especially in Eastern Germany also. I mean, it was a huge topic yeah. anyway in this region yeah, yeah. and in Germany and also abroad, of course. But um, this was referring to this, I guess. It was, but but not. In a, I mean, the interesting thing is, once you don't have it as an image in front of you, uh, but the idea it it wasn't that uh, around you there were people as refugees only. It it was mm -hmm. more that you were being made refugees, and at a certain point, only with this ghost choir, uh, you realize that there are, let's say, others who have a voice. Yeah. Who, who respond to what's happening. Because in the end, what we did is, of course, we just picked up the thread that, that uh, uh, was also an idea, and also maybe uh, especially in Eastern Germany at that time, that, of course, the people were very unsatisfied with this mm -hmm. uh, situation. Yeah? And they didn't want these refugees to be here, and, and they also didn't want to have this discussion. And um, at least mm. the change, maybe, and also at least not right in front of them. Mm. And and I found this so interesting that uh, you just had no choice in in more or less uh, uh, being someone like this, and um, and to to be in this sort of very small refugee camp. It was made it was with seats, and you would also get a cup of tea, and there was curry served. So th there were also some uh, some positive aspects that you could experience in this uh, certain area, but of mm. course. There also was a situation, yeah, where with this uh, ghost choir, uh, an actual fight started, like from mm -hmm. society against society. And mm -hmm. just by the people being on the other side of the fence, I found it could have been, or I found it, it uh, as, um, as an interesting experience for a society to sort of have a role play within this, if you want or not, and, and thus actually participating. Sometimes political art is, um, in German, we say with a woman and Zeigefinger, like very moral mm -hmm. and from superior. Mm -hmm. It's not like mm -hmm. you're um, not always with a real respect or understanding of the, it's more this teaching moment maybe that mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. sometimes also leads to that people close themselves and don't want to listen anymore mm -hmm. so here um i understand it wasn't that way it was more like uh, an open experience and it was from yeah. within and also the associations yeah. were not like so uh, fixed but they they were mm -hmm. just um within the audience yeah and also since everybody in in the opera uh on, only if you sat in the former parquet in the former auditorium everybody got costumes when they mm -hmm. were on stage. Oh. So they would have like felt blankets and mm -hmm. some uh, African printed shawls and so on. So also as an image for everybody else, they mm -hmm. were made into something with mm -hmm. their private dress underneath. So it, the idea was very clear that they are, they are not refugees. They are just uh, taking part within this uh, 400 people auditorium 
social experiment, if you want to yeah. put it okay. like this. You know, yeah, because like, everybody mm -hmm. was taking part within this, especially since if you were in the house in the back together with the women's choir, everybody could wear like uh, blonde wigs, you know, just mm -hmm. to have this weird idea of uh, housewives staying home, waiting for the husband to arrive, you know, and mm -hmm. everybody else on stage would have this Bauarbeiter Helme, you know, these mm -hmm. helmets, as being part of a working society or, or of being part of, uh, of normal working class. And so it was pretty obvious or pretty uh, brought to a very simple point, mm -hmm. also to be easily deciphered as an image mm -hmm. uh, that you could read very easily as an audience from every other uh, viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So for the audience, it wasn't even so clear who is audience member and who is part of uh, of the choir or soloists or. No, if if you went within, of course, you would realize who sings and who not. Mm -hmm. But as an image, if you would sit in the auditorium and you saw, let's say, 80 people out of which mm -hmm. 40 only sing, uh, you would have this image of. Uh, There's a lot of housewives waiting for the people to come home. <laughs> I see. Great. Yeah. yeah it's very yeah. impressive. And uh, I mean, there's no such distance anymore to the no. stage. It's just an immersive experience. And But yeah. then also um, very political. I mean, this uh, space stage, Heterotopia, it has uh, this name um, referring to Foucault, right? Yeah. You, uh -huh. You gave it a title. I, I mean, usually stage designs don't always have a title, right? It's, no. Uh, <laughs> you do no, this. I mean, most of the time, of course, the set design is more in a, in a serving position as mm -hmm. to be a platform where something takes place. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something else. If you have this good custom perspective to sort of have this framework within these boundaries or limits or possibilities you can work and you can have a sort of design or a sort of space that tries to reflect the story or the music or also whatever the people are doing. If you have a dance, then it's not so much about how the space looks like maybe because the first question is where do they dance? So how mm -hmm. much space do they have? Or maybe at which point? Because you mm -hmm. can alter the space within these realms. You can mm -hmm. make it smaller or bigger and so on. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the special thing for, for conceiving a, an idea of this heterotopia, what you were also mentioning in the beginning, is to also have the possibilities and also for an audience that um, you can experience, let's say, this very same space from different perspectives. And that was very interesting, I think, also to have a new idea of how this idea of Stadttheater yeah? mm -hmm. or of this idea of a theater that is explicitly for the society of this city, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, and not just as an imagery in general. It was mm -hmm. very important, I think, also for the start of this Intendance of Florian that mm -hmm. we sort of opened the doors and let everybody in, you know, mm -hmm. and also cross boundaries um, between the genres. Yeah, it was really, you were imagining many different formats and really inviting the people of the of the city and i mean as for the title yeah. of your stage heterotopia foucault meant like different other spaces right that illusionary spaces and mm -hmm. that yeah, transient spaces i think in a way 
that the idea of this space isn't as fixed, you know, like cinema. Cinema is only mm -hmm. a cinema if you show a film. Otherwise, it's just mm -hmm. a, a bunch of seats and you look like nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also the idea that it's only cinema when you turn the projector on. And also other spaces that he meant, like um, airports, for example. Mm -hmm. It's just a space that only works as this Mm -hmm. People come and go, but it only works if people come and go and planes uh, mm -hmm. come and leave. Yeah, it's transition. Yeah, transition. And and this idea that, of course, it was really interesting also for the audience at this moment, that they could also see the space alter its meaning. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is the very idea of why we called it heterotopia. Yeah, and it gives also maybe a, a freedom for them of perception in a different way, in their very individual Absolutely. way then. And uh, if I remember correctly with the Foucault thing, with the other spaces, um, his idea was also that these different spaces with their own truth or own story or own rituals, uh, they are also very important for the freedom of a society and for democracy in a way. And yeah. if if we think of this, I mean, now we have this uh, whole discussion about culture during the Corona pandemic. Mm -hmm. If it's necessary, mm -hmm. if it's only entertainment or what is the necessity of culture in general or the role mm -hmm. for society? I mean, in this way, uh, would you think that even without your uh, heterotopia stage, um, do you think a theater space or arts in general are like heterotopies in this sense like heterotopic places of course i mean uh, since the idea of what we are telling on stage is always changing but also reflects what's happening in reality i think this makes it a very heterotopic uh, idea like in general if this is more or less what you mean <laughs> yes I yeah, think yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, um, from what I saw online, the the stage designs or what you create in general is very diverse, and uh, some of your stages are more abstract. Also, um, the stage design appeals to the audience, association, memories, maybe ideas mm -hmm. uh, give some input. So some are more abstract. Some are referring to certain times in the past or in the present. Uh, some are even mm -hmm. futuristic. Um, how do you decide what image do you give? I mean, it has a lot to do, of course, also with the director. Mm -hmm. If the director says, oh, for me, it, it has to be something very realistic, mm -hmm. then there is no escape somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I think to, to this, you know, I'm not trying to convince people into something where I realize it's not the point that it's interesting for them to tell because it's not like this that I'm conceiving stage designs and at a certain point I tell the director what I think it should look like. It's that we have a discussion very early on about the piece and about the idea. I think this is where we start mostly or where, especially in my work, I would start at a very early time also for me to to have an idea. I'm not waiting very much for a first idea from someone else. You know, mm -hmm. I think this is also something maybe that was more common earlier on that set designers were seen as the people who transform the director's idea into space, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, we will do it in an airplane hangar, you know, and then mm -hmm. I design an airplane hangar. 
And this is not very much the idea of set design that I have. And I think also that is not so common nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. also with But other young sometimes it still happens, right? I mean, you see such things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not right to do it like this, mm -hmm. but, I, but for me, I realize there is a certain limit uh, also for me that interests me Like, how does an hangar look like? Mm -hmm. Or which hotel do we play handle in, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, it's much more an idea of getting to the very essence of the pieces. And it's also, it's my own perspective, you know? I, I couldn't mm -hmm. think of what in general would be very interesting. But what I think is what responds the most from the pieces. And, and this is also very different from uh, the pieces I'm working with. Coming to an essence sometimes, of course, leads to an image that is either very simple or that is very, in an abstract way, on point of what you are trying to say. You know, like the image for Life of Galilee from Brecht. Mm -hmm. It's like very geometric frames within frames. Mm -hmm. yeah? And for me, it was the idea of There is very little space to play for the actors and also for the director. I mean, he, he found the idea super that they don't have so much space and that we are very near to the audience. Mm -hmm. So we had this set design on top of the orchestra pit. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the front row would see the piece like this. Mm -hmm. So, And that was very interesting because there was not this weird distance that you sometimes have if you have the orchestra pit and then the portal mm -hmm. and then... Like Very 12 far. meters away yeah. is the first singer. But also you actor. engage with the audience in that moment as well. Even if yeah. it's not a space yeah. stage, but uh, just how yeah. you set it and it has an impact on the view and what the audience, how they would probably react, even if only physical, yeah. but it does something also yeah. inside, yeah. of course. Yeah, and then I think for especially what I'm trying to do then with these more abstract set designs is that there is a certain mechanic to it mm -hmm. that you can have changes uh, throughout the image. Mm -hmm. So, for example, then with these frames into frames mm -hmm. uh, that we were using for Life of Galilee, they could move, you know. You could bring them together into one flat space mm -hmm. and then we would project on it, but depending on which frame we would open into the depth, very small and different spaces would emerge mm -hmm. where the, where the uh, different scenes would play. And only at the very end, we were opening all the frames into the whole depth mm -hmm. for the very first time, like the, the last five minutes. And it was really incredible because for the first time, you would see 50 meters wow. and you would see... Galilei leaving this. Mm -hmm. And and this came totally out of the piece of Brecht and also out of the very interesting story of uh, of Galilei that in the end, he left a knowledge behind that would change everything. Mm -hmm. And and this I found so interesting. And also I found so interesting to put this at the very end because Absolutely. this is the one liberating moment to say, okay, uh, we're not the center of the universe. Sorry, yeah. it's like this, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And so you really put this inside your stage design in the set. It's like the idea is really inside it and also the dramaturgy of the piece and how you decided to open it, yeah. open the space when you 
to hold it and hold it small for a long time and then yeah. suddenly in the end open it um, to a whole yeah. new dimension. Yeah. I mean, this brings me also to um, to the topic of time in general for for mm -hmm. your work. Also, I myself, I'm thinking a lot about it because um, usually music uh, is thought of as a temporal art, temporal mm -hmm. art form, mm -hmm. of course, I mean, mm -hmm. um, whereas... Uh, something like a painting or sculpture or something like this is a spatial art. Um, of course, I mean, music does evolve in time and uh, has a certain time frame um, and a painting or such thing is, is free of this. Um, but I, I don't like, like this so much to go with this idea is because for my own compositions, I like to think of uh, Zeiträume, like spaces of mm -hmm. time. And maybe you mm -hmm. you remember in Sacrifice, for instance, I had this mm -hmm. uh, orchestral moments in all in every act actually, in all four mm -hmm. acts, um, uh, where um, there was no no text, no singing, no action planned. Mm -hmm. At least, I mean, Florian did something with the people mm -hmm. on stage, maybe. But uh, for me, mm -hmm. uh, the orchestra was uh, was the character. And uh, but mm -hmm. it wasn't an intermezzo or something. They they weren't mm -hmm. intermezzi. They had more time. But for me, it was not only about time so much, but rather about the space. Like the orchestra got the space. And also in mm -hmm. the music, um, I I like to think of um, this Zeiträume, um, like a sonic space where you can move mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, And it's not so important how you count the time outside. It's rather uh, how you listen to it or imagine it inside. And uh, and these um, orchestral moments and sacrifice, I called them Klangbilder, sound images. Mm -hmm. And I had mm -hmm. I had this idea that I I start or I try to I try to create some immediacy in the beginning of each Klangbild mm -hmm. uh, to have mm -hmm. something like a Uh, nucleus um, uh, like in uh, like in nature's you know like the fractal patterns mm -hmm. and then give it uh, some time or space to unfold and mm -hmm. it takes the space so um, yeah this was one idea but it's also in in other pieces that I, I think of uh, space in inside my music also with polyphony mm -hmm. for instance and mm -hmm. this is my utopia Mm -hmm. um, that uh, yeah to to create something like a polydimensional musical space where you can go back and forth and also in mm -hmm. um, I mean of course if you sit and listen there is this time frame but if you remember music or imagine music it it's completely different again I mean anyway music has so many time layers but um, the stage design uh, I mean this is something in between right. Uh, however you call mm -hmm. this music, if temporal or not. But uh, anyway, stage mm -hmm. design would be something in between temporal and spatial, uh, between mm -hmm. continuity and something static or fluid and fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, so how mm -hmm. do you cope with the time? I mean, especially um, in these, in these uh, mechanical set designs, it's, um, it's very easy to... Um, to create a sort of uh, dramaturgy going from one point and ending somewhere else. Mm -hmm. or, or really, just to give an example, for um, Kabale und Liebe from Schiller, mm -hmm. 
I did the set design where it was only like a like a vertical revolving stage. And within this, there was a very, very small space. And this this was also the the very small space where we would uh, begin the whole piece where the the main actress, Louisa, would be standing and uh, and having a monologue. And from then on, everything evolved um, around her. And, and so this whole set design, this whole turning uh, stage would be something that from the very beginning on would start to, let's say, to put her under pressure. That's the whole problem, let's say, especially for me uh, in, in this whole uh, story of Kabale und Liebe, that they, in the end, they won't come together with this idea, like mm -hmm. this Romeo and Julia mm -hmm. idea. And you are also now interested in augmented reality, virtual... I mean, you did also this other um, space stage, again, for Opera Halle mm -hmm. Babylon, right? I mean, I imagine mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. quite challenging to have one year after the first successful one, another uh, space stage um, mm -hmm. for the same theater. Um, what was different there? I think there you uh, also integrated virtual reality. Yes, we did um, Requiem from, from Verdi there. And um, of course, from the idea of the Flying Dutchman, we had um, the experience that it, it would be very interesting for an audience to have, again, this immersive experience um, with a massive orchestra and uh, um, a work also together with a huge choir. Mm -hmm. So this this was the first idea where we were looking for musical pieces that we could use or opera. I mean, that is, uh, Requiem is not so much an opera, mm -hmm. but what we did want to change in, in the very beginning is that we could have more audience on stage mm -hmm. in more layers because they were in, in sort of uh, scaffoldings. Mm -hmm. So we had just much more scaffoldings where the audience could be within and it was much more elaborate how we built this whole set. Mm -hmm. Also together with video, because since we opened the space even a little bit more to the side stage, where also um, more audience could sit, it would be important that from these different perspectives, you would especially hear the singers from every point. Mm -hmm. So we had a, um, a very um, elaborate system of how we would have uh, 360-degree loudspeakers. Mm -hmm. And... Also um, with live video, so we could also see the people that would sing if we wouldn't see them uh, for a certain time. And um, and the other thing that was very important for us is that we would create two moments within the Requiem where the audience could move. So that it was really, let's say, five to ten minutes where everybody was asked to get up And um, this also came out from a, from a cynical idea and uh, to sort of conquer the space and find a new way, place for them where they would love to sit. Mm -hmm. And since everybody got up and moved around, it was uh, very easy because everybody was really interested in changing the perspective. Mm -hmm. And you could also go nearer to the orchestra or further away or everything you didn't see so far, you could just go there and uh, change places with people who came from there. Mm -hmm. So this was something that was really important for us. Uh, your, your plans with augmented reality, what is, what is it that fascinates you or 
now especially and i think what what interests me now or what i what i mostly see is um when no actual performance can take place is i found interesting in augmented reality that through this device of a of a cell phone that we carry with us you can explore something that suddenly since it's technically possible that something you can re relate in a, also together with the human scale or playing with the human scale. You know, suddenly you can see something that is, I don't know, some quartet that is playing and they play on your table. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of explore uh, with your iPad or with your cell phone. And since it overlaps with the actual reality of your private space or with you being in the train or, mm -hmm. or wherever, and this theatrical moment that we could create if we do see actors or we see something that is corresponding to the sort of privacy or private reality that I do have, mm -hmm. there were some things that, that actually touched me. And mm -hmm. I, I found this is something I only experience otherwise if I... I don't know, watch a movie or ever go to the theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's this, on the one hand, it's a different aspect of life, hybrid mm -hmm. society um, in in our world now. But also what I have to think about is that it's this um, kids fantasy. I, I think about it like this mm -hmm. sometimes because mm -hmm. you have children also, or maybe if you remember your childhood, I had this imaginary friends, you know, and then and you always mm -hmm. have this fantasy, oh, this character should come out of the book and just have breakfast with mm -hmm. me and have some chocolate or some, mm -hmm. you know, the, the kid inside is awakening mm -hmm. here and you have this mm -hmm. string quartet you can have on your table and watch it and kind of Yeah, play with it a little bit and uh, feel free. I mean, this is also the freedom mm -hmm. again. Art can create mm -hmm. then, but also imagination and fantasy. And um, I just thought about uh, a book I, I recently uh, read by Peter Handke. Do you know uh, Die Spuren der Verirrten? <laughs> Not sure mm -hmm. how to translate this correctly. I'm sure it's, uh, it exists in English. And um, I mean, he he's an author of many theater plays and uh but also other texts and poetry whatsoever. Very radical writer. I love him very much. I know there was some controversy about uh, political issues uh, with him and uh, Serbia mm -hmm. and so on. But uh, anyway, uh, this book is from the first person narrator. Like he's in a theater and there's some stage and he describes the mm -hmm. play, but without, you know, mm -hmm. like the usual play writing, just he describes mm -hmm. what is happening and they're just all the time coming new people on stage and doing really absurd things. And <laughs> and then there are three people again, you know, like doing this and one is doing this and holding this. And he's just, uh, yeah, just writing all this and it's happening inside your head. And this was for me such mm -hmm. an incredible experience because I think it was only possible because of the power of his words, because he's such a writer that mm -hmm. he has such a suggestive mm -hmm writing in inside his words and, and, and poetry that it's not only a theater play that needs to be played but it's already in the space of the head a theater it's like an imaginary theater mm -hmm. and I thought wow that's the best mm -hmm. theater at the moment in corona times in the pandemic times I could get just in your inside your head but uh, yeah mm -hmm. augmented reality mm -hmm. is then outside the head but something you sometimes dream of and 
I think one thing uh, for for this augmented reality, what is also um, interesting is that you do interact yourself. You know, it's not something that you are shown on your device mm -hmm. and uh, and you have to wait two hours until it finishes, but you can explore within your own time and with, with your own interests. Mm -hmm. And just this emotional response I found very strong and also very interesting, especially if you don't have the possibility to, to go to the theater and, and the only possibility is sort of live stream via camera or 2D and you're just confined to sitting in front of your screen mm. again, you know, and as we there do you have anyway. even more, you are even more passive because you can decide yeah. even less than what I was wondering, how important is music for you in your work? Very. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really very uh, uh, important to me because I realize having the music For example, when I listen to an opera for the first time, which I'm going to do, I sometimes try to listen to it when I don't know it uh, two or three times just without text. Mm -hmm. Because if I know the text, I, I mean, maybe not for a German opera, but mm -hmm. if I sometimes just can have an idea of the musical ductus, mm -hmm. it's very interesting because you you get an idea of the time frame, uh, when happens what. Or for example... Okay, now there is a 10-minute musical interlude. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. This is a time. This is more or less a time where um, it gives me a lot of freedom. Also, together with the director, uh, what do we want to tell within this time? Mm -hmm. And then I also find very interesting uh, when I listen to the music for the first time with the text that I think, ah, I didn't know that they would sing. Uh, this to this music because sometimes it just doesn't go together you know yeah. uh, or not in a bad sense but it, it's uh, it's meant to be like this and I think oh interesting I wouldn't have come up with this idea and and this also tells something about the structure and helps to to understand what correlates or what we could do with our work in reviving this idea because most of the time the operas that we do work on is like from 400 to uh, 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know at least one <laughs> modern opera, uh, contemporary opera, you did the stage. Uh, what is the difference, like when a composer is still alive or something? Well, the, mostly if, if we do uh, these world premieres, uh, it's not only that the composer is, uh, is still alive, but that the opera is not finished when we do the design. Okay. <laughs> You know, so yes, it's, it's hard for me this, yeah. to listen to the music, <laughs> you know. This is this is really one thing that I can only imagine. Um, how would the music sound? Or or you can tell me, I think these Klangbilder, they would sound like this, mm -hmm. or I mean something like this, mm -hmm. you know. But of course, uh, this work is much more anticipating mm -hmm. and um, also sort of going back to... What's the general plot uh, that we want to tell? You know, mm -hmm. this is uh, how it ideally would work. You know that mm -hmm. uh, that there is a possibility of um, reflecting another work or, or seeing how things evolve. It's also very rare, you know, because usually you would compose your opera and I would uh, uh, design my mm -hmm. set, and at a certain point we do come together because. Rather rarely, there's the possibility of having workshops together mm -hmm. or to really experiment. Yeah, that know. would be great. This is something. 
It would be great. And I think this is, this is something that I really miss somehow because I have experienced it in my own work in the Forum Neues Musiktheater at the Staatsoper Stuttgart. Mm -hmm. You know, they had it for uh, two or three years. Um, they had uh, a subsidy for, uh, in the end, for experimenting with a contemporary musical theater. Mm -hmm. And this is something where I realized that nowadays it's, it's very hard within these uh, strict rhythms mm -hmm. of, uh, of, a, of an opera house that there is very rarely any place of, um, like a year before uh, the world premiere, we'd all meet and, and listen to the first 20 minutes or, mm -hmm. or, or come up with ideas. or Yes, that would be so, so, this, this so needed much more of space for a, a true collaboration and also for this experiment that you don't because of the deadlines and everything you usually now have to just ha have a solution immediately to bring something that is yeah, set yeah. and it would be really great to have just more trust and more space more time but of course what does it mean it would mean more money for the institution to give not to, to spend um Yeah, but maybe sometimes it's also um, that artists need this courage to just say, I need this, or to contact each mm. other early on. I mean, it's all, always such a fragile moment. I know it f for myself. If you start working yeah. on some things, on the one hand, you're trying to get all this inspiration, and but then also, at least I need also to be very much for myself and Yeah. to to uh, have this vulnerability possible and this is something yeah. fragile because if it doesn't work it it could block me or i couldn't work anymore afterwards so even if it's not staged just uh with musicians it's also like yeah. uh, mostly contemporary music players they are very open and they like to experiment and then mm -hmm. you go there as mm -hmm. a composer and that's also it has to do with a lot of trust to um, expose your ideas to some reality before you are feeling secure about something. This is a special yeah. moment. Of course, in uh, music theater, it, it's such a big dimension that so many people and so many resources are involved that maybe it's sometimes you you're not sure if it's really needed or, uh, or one should maybe accept that we can also fail with this and maybe what we find yeah. out is a negative result, but this negative result might be very important for what we do afterwards. So, um, I mean, it's, it's very true that there is this moment of fragility and I don't think that it's, uh, that it's even good if at every certain stage uh, of, of production people come together and, and throw 100 ideas into the pot. Because I think what is also very interesting in a, in a collaboration is that you you don't always agree with what everybody brings mm -hmm. in. You know, you might like the set design or you might not, mm -hmm. or you can say, ooh, these 10 minutes of music, I don't know what to do with these. You mm -hmm. know? But these 10 minutes, let's say, they need to be there because I find it very productive in any way, in any production, ballet, opera, contemporary or ancient, to also have something that I have sort of to cope with or to deal with. This makes it mm -hmm. also very interesting, you know. 
because I can also ask myself, why don't I like this so much? Oh. And then there's also this counterpoint possible, and this can be very energizing maybe also for, for the audience or uh, what you said, like the music doesn't go with the text or uh, the stage doesn't go with the story or whatever the plot, but mm. it's a, it's a counterpoint. Mm. And then it opens a space mm. you wouldn't have otherwise. And it's also a space of freedom for the, Uh, for the audience uh, to interpret Absolutely. and to be also in this way, even yeah. if it's not a space stage, to be part of the whole artwork in a way. I mean, this would be a new way yeah. of a, a Gesamtkunstwerk also if you see it this way. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's very good if there is also something that is contradictory for the audience uh, to what you say about interpretation. Mm. Yeah, that I also find it often very fruitful if there is something sort of distracting or something that you have to put together uh, in your head and it's not just something that floats by. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. My mother, uh, who was a painter, she used to prefer the word illumination instead of illustration because she she mm -hmm. felt like an illustration it's just servant to something mm -hmm. and she wanted mm -hmm. to rather illuminate something. But that's a very good point. I think it's it's also something that I'm uh, trying to avoid very much is this illustration, because I sometimes think an illustration mostly hides uh, what it's actually about, because mm -hmm. it's so easy, uh, what I said before about um, playing Handel in a hotel, mm -hmm. because you just don't have to make a point. It's mm -hmm. just, oh yeah, they're so lost, or mm -hmm. they're nowhere, they have no home, mm -hmm. uh, but that's it. So, yeah. And then you can hide between sofas and mm -hmm. wallpaper and lusters hanging mm -hmm. from the ceiling and so on. And I don't say this this is not a solution, but it's just not my solution that I'm interested mm -hmm. in. So this illumination, I like the, this idea, I mm -hmm. like very much. I think Paraclee said things like, uh, like his work is not about to make the reality uh, sichtbar. The, uh, but to depict reality. Yes, but to make the unseen, you know, to, to show the unseen. Mm -hmm. And also that mm -hmm. I think he said something like the more disastrous reality gets, the more abstract the art needs to be. Yeah, it's true. I think in Halle, in the end, we brought it down to this slogan, Wirklichkeit erfinden, mm -hmm. to invent reality. Yes. And I think this is also from a short sentence of Verdi, you know, uh, saying about his idea of musical theater uh -huh. that uh, we'd rather invent reality. Mm -hmm. Because you, anyway, uh, in, in a sense, you cannot depict it. Mm -hmm. It's always... Uh, um, It's always a picture, but if it's just more illustrative, um, maybe it doesn't get so much to the point if you would actually invent this reality. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be so far from reality. Yeah. You know? Also, if mm -hmm. we um, go back to the multi-perspective, I mean, what is reality? There's not this one perspective. Mm. So if we invent a reality that has multi-perspective, then it's probably much more real than any, mm -hmm. if we try to have a one reality. So probably yeah. even uh -huh. closer in the uh, atomization kind of. No, it's very true. I think it's, it's, it relates very much more to our own uh, idea of perceiving the world. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's multi-perspective. Yeah. I mean, and especially now if now we have uh, screens yes, and, exactly. uh, and cell phone screens yeah. and, uh, mm -hmm. but we are, we are getting used to this also. Yeah. We are all ghosts. To, to perceive uh, reality in this way. Yes. Thank you for this conversation. It was really 
inspiring again. I hope we meet like not as ghosts but in real life again no. soon. <laughs> yes, I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thank you. For all your interesting questions. And I'm happy we could talk about the very interesting uh, work that we did already together. Yes. That was really inspiring also seeing your side. Thank you.